Welcome to Lang Time Chat, where David is being a bird. Thank that you. was his bird voice, and he was doing, you could not see it, but he was uh, making his hands into what I believe would have made an epic shadow puppet bird. Is Would it? I've never been good at shadow creations. That, that was a great phoenix. You have the perfect thumb shape to do the phoenix head. Look at that. Well done. They're worth something. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Well, today we are actually going to stray away from conlanging today. Because really? in our finally? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> finally, that's what we do. Aren't we supposed to be super conlanging? I know. Uh, but you made yet another reference that I totally had no idea what you were talking about in the live stream. Okay. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Oh my gosh. Today is Friday. We're recording this the day after um, the epic July 23rd live stream. Dun, and dun, dun. if you watch that live stream carefully, you'll notice that David dropped a reference that not only did I just not understand in the moment, but I can't tell you what it is right now. Like I haven't, I don't even, it was probably a music reference, but it was just mm. one of those moments where I smiled and nodded like, mm -hmm. sure. If it helps, so, uh, Texas is a state in the Southern United States. <laughs> if it helps who? The one I, I thought there? maybe, I thought maybe that was the reference you didn't get. I was just trying to help out. I will tell you this though, this is music related. Uh, when the video store uh, that uh, that used to be on the corner uh, right there on Valley View went out of business, um, I'm sorry, the video store, I went through their, they were just doing a liquidation sale. That was where I got my VHS copy of Brazil. But, um, oh no, wait, that's not where this happened. Oh, well. Well, suffice, uh, let, no, I think, no, you know what, maybe James Berry was there with me. Maybe that's why. We found a CD by a group called Texas. Nice. Yes. Okay, now, Valley View, I assume, is a street. Yep. That's important to you. Yeah, and it was videos for less, just so you know. Oh, videos for my less. gosh. Do you know that I used to work at Music for Less? <gasps> oh, you worked at a music shop? Yes, I did. And uh, and then like when somebody said, hey, do you know that song that goes like, da, 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 and, I was like and you're like, oh, ABBA, it's in the A's. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know that we've actually fully explained that joke um, other than, I, I don't know that we, we've referenced it a few times, um, but just in case we've never fully explained that joke, David sent me um, a playlist after our very first podcast uh, that we had recorded, and he sent me a playlist, uh, multiple playlists, really, um, to introduce me to artists. And what was the band's name? See, I can't, I'm horrible at this. Amberian Dawn. It did start with an A. Yes, Amberian Dawn. But yeah. they they had changed people over the years and so he sent me two different playlists one from earlier recordings one from later recordings and asked me which one I preferred and in our discussions he had said well do you prefer the ABBA like version or the other version and I didn't know which version I thought both apparently were ABBA like and so then I was teased mercilessly for thinking everything sounds like ABBA um, <laughs> but listen to Amberian Dawn. I and I David would have to give you precise titles to compare. Um, that I apparently confused. I just I heard ABBA in all of them. <laughs> yeah. Here, listen to Cherish My Memory by Amberian Dawn from their ABBA period. And then listen to uh I share with you this dream. I think that's what it's called from their earlier period, from their Nightwish period, and see if these two things sound alike to you. And if they do, then welcome to my ABBAverse. And if they <laughs> don't, then you apparently have more musical styling abilities or hearing abilities, I guess. Um, but I also get 
because not only do I have David to make fun of me for thinking, apparently, everything Amberian Dawn sounds like ABBA. Um, but then I know I've mentioned before that my son is into music. And so I get mm. teased mercilessly for not knowing the difference between, you know, whether something was a concerto or a, I've like forgotten all the other terms that I'm supposed to know by now. Uh, sonata, there we go. Like to him, these mean different things. Yeah. To me, it's just what somebody right. titled it. Well, listen, that's that's the two of us, you know, clasping arms in unity there. Um, I've got, uh, I have a thing I can do. I can do this with classical music for a certain extent. I can talk about it and make it sound like I really know what I'm talking about until I hit the limit. And then it's like, that was that was it. But up to that point, I can fake it to make it think that, to make you think that I know volumes, volumes about classical music and we can go on for hours. But really, it's just like, I've got, I've got, I've got a tight five and that's it. Uh, I'm finally at the point that I stopped calling them songs. That's apparently <laughs> the biggest sin in the classical world is to call something a song. And so I finally am to the point where I almost always remember, not always, I almost always remember to call it a piece. And, but then when I don't remember that, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, so but I it's really want to get to this rep. Yeah, I really want to get to this reference that 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 uh, that I, that you didn't get, but I've got to share this one. So when I was teaching community college, uh, you know, I was teaching freshman composition. One of the uh, semester-long projects that I would have for students was uh, it would be to read a novel, and it would be on a list, and then at the end they would they, they would read it as a group, and they would do a group presentation at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, even though I didn't say this at the beginning, it was a group presentation where pretty much as long as you read the book and said something, everybody got 100%. Uh, it right. was really more of a party. Um, but they required us, they required us for this uh, composition class to have two in-class writing tests. Okay. And, and I hate those. I think they're mm -hmm. pointless because that's not how people write. I mean... It's such a, a false thing to say, all right, I want you to write a research paper, but you've got 60 minutes and all, not only that, you have to do it by hand, go. Like, how is this real life? I mean. But as a student, sometimes I preferred those because then I knew roughly what the teacher was expecting out of it versus if you have three or four weeks to do it at home, I always felt the need to make it bigger and better because I didn't know where to stop myself. Um, in a classroom, you can only do so much by hand in 60 minutes. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm sure that actually my students loved my in-class essays because the first one was a writing evaluation that wasn't graded. And then the second one was the midterm, which I graded like, I mean, it, it was like, rather than starting, you know, assuming like, okay, here's, like the lowest you could get was 50%. The lowest you could get was like 75%. I really didn't grade those hard because I knew what they were up against. Well, anyway, this assignment that I did was I had, I had them divide into groups. I had them pick a book to read. Um, and it was books that I had read that were on the shorter side that were classics or, or you know, good, you know, written in English. Um, and then I had them choose one for me that I hadn't read, and then I read that book. And so then I also did a presentation at the end and also nice. got to read more. That was the reason I read Naked Lunch. They were unkind one semester. Now I've read it anyway. <laughs> but, I've never, so I so don't have that semester. reference either. Oh, God. You don't need it. Don't look it up. I beg you. Um, Done. So one semester I introduced this project. And, and, and one of these students who was, uh, he was a, a very like self-professed, um, you know, uh, free thinker, independent. He, he raised his hand and he said, uh, excuse me, these, these books that you read, can we read any uh, biographies or autobiographies or historical texts? And I'm like, no, it's gotta be from this list here, you're, you're doing it as a group and it's gotta be something I, I read. It's like, are there any biographies on here? It's like, uh, no, they're, they're fiction. And he said, oh, a storybook? <laughs> I haven't read one of those in ages. Like, wow, what a, what a set down. I, I, anyway, I wanna feel like that's what 
that's what a classical music fan thinks when they say, oh, that's a good song. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good storybook. <laughs> that, okay, well, that does give me a great context um, for maybe better understanding why they don't like pieces to be called songs. Um, from I, apparently, I, with song. I mean, <laughs> apparently I'm not enough of a... <laughs> musician to know that that could be a, a put down. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, I don't even remember the reference I missed. If you remember okay. it, you can bring it up now. Otherwise, oh. do you remember it? No, I thought, I thought you were going to tell me what the reference was. No, I told you oh, at the very oh. beginning. I was like, it, I missed it so much that I couldn't even yeah. tell you what it is right now. But it got me thinking. Okay. okay it got okay, me okay. thinking. Okay. Got it, got so it, like, it. it's the impetus for what we're talking about today. That's how you say it, right? Impetus? Surely. Yeah, yeah. Now everything over two syllables, I have to stop and say, is that how other people say it? Because <laughs> it happens don't to know all anymore. I, did I tell you about the first time I heard somebody say detritus? No, but I don't think I've ever actually heard it. I, like, I, I, I feel yeah. like I've only ever seen it in writing. Yeah, and I always said detritus because you know it was it's well, because detriment, right? Yeah, detriment, detritus. detritus. So it was like okay, sure. trash or whatever. And then I'm sitting here with uh, two friends walking along, and he mentions the detritus, and I'm like, "Excuse me, detritus? <laughs> is this is this the god of trash?" And they're right? all looking at me. And I'm like, "What do you mean? Like that's not how you pronounce it, detritus?" And they're like, "No, it's detritus." And I look it up, and they were right. I was like, oh my God, never well, look at detritus the same way. <laughs> I'm on your side. I honestly never would have said it that way. And as I'm fairly certain, I've never heard it pronounced in conversation. Maybe I've, you know, randomly heard it in like a presentation somewhere or something, but in everyday conversation, I'm not sure I've ever heard it. Then again, if I heard it, I probably wouldn't have made the connection with detritus in my head and detritus yeah. coming at me right wow okay well i just learned something as well mm. um so the impetus <laughs> going back to that for today's conversation um is also not only based on me missing a reference but finding out that you when you were a child had one of the same childhood dreams as i did that we both wanted to be a like cartoon artist Mm -hmm. um how yep. did we not know this before um I so i was thinking of childhood dreams and then i was thinking 80s and 90s because i swear you and i experienced very different decades in the 80s and 90s um very different and so like my guiding question for today is what were the 80s and 90s like for you <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's my guiding but i do also want to touch on this childhood dream was that one of many of your childhood dreams of being a cartoon artist or was that just like your thing until you that, moved yeah, on? That was it. That was okay. all I wanted to do. My only childhood dream from the time that I could even think about what it was that I wanted to do until the age of 16. Um, and it was really a very specific event that, uh, that had me move on. But I mean, like one of the earliest things that that I had and did regularly that was my own was um, when I was in, gosh, was it as old as when I was in first grade? It, or was it third grade? I can't remember if it was first or third grade where I first got it, but um, I was given a very large drawing pad um, and I used that as like every single page front and back, I would create a new work. I was also given one of those, uh, I'm sure you had one of these, one of those little, you know, large paperback, um, how to draw cartoon characters thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh my God, I, I had one of those book. and I started drawing um, and I would do it uh, at school. Actually, one of my, one of the very first things that I did. So when I moved from Fresno to Orange County where, where, I, where I lived the rest of the time. In first grade, uh, my best friend, Blaine, and I, we started to draw 
uh, pictures, just on eight and a half by 11 uh, pages uh, when we didn't have anything else to do in class. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like, basically it was a huge war. I mean, I don't know why that was what we were drawing, but it was, it was two. So there would be one on the ground and one on the sky. And then every so often, if we wanted to depict something underground, we had um, a paper underground and we would just draw a scene and then tape it. So we had two nice. taped up, you know, two eight and a half by 11 on top of each other. And then we moved on and kept mm -hmm. going and kept going and kept going. And uh, I remember once we presented it to the class where we each stood on one side and rolled it out. And it was uh, probably like at that point, uh, I'd say uh, maybe uh, 16 sheets of paper. Okay. Um, and then, you know, spread across so that you could actually hold it and people were very surprised. But we kept at it for quite a nice. while after that. I remember in second grade, I rolled it out across our driveway. Oh my gosh. It, it had well over a hundred sheets of paper on it. I kept up with it and kept taping uh, and would store it rolled up. Right. Um, and uh, Are there any and, yeah. pictures or anything that exist of this? I think that I think that my mother may have taken a photograph of it at one point in time, probably around that time. I don't know where that photograph is now. Um, but at some point in time, it was before it was finished. Uh, I mean, to the extent that it could ever be finished. Right. Um, oh, and by the way, since I think this came up like Conling related, um, it was left to right. That oh, was, okay. That was the direction, even though it was just like a huge expanse, like, that was the direction right. we felt made sense. You started on the left, sure. you went to the right. Sure, that's... Yeah, there was no writing, right? I, what's interesting is I, at first when you said that, I was confused what you meant by it. But because of course it was left to right because right. <laughs> that's how yeah. I visualize paper. Um, and that is interesting that it goes so far as to take over how you visualize an empty space um, not to say that all artists view it that way, but um, right. I also wouldn't necessarily call myself an artist. <laughs> but when I look at a blank sheet, I do think left to right. That's interesting. Yeah. So, wow. um, uh, you, you know me, I can keep talking for ages. What about you? Um, so nothing, I don't think quite as exciting. Um, I was enchanted by um, cartoons, uh, Disney cartoons when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, my earliest drawings were me trying to recreate, you know, popular cartoon characters, um, you know, like Pluto and, um, Donald Duck, yeah, just some of the, the Disney cartoon characters. And then I realized how much work it would be to actually be involved with a hand-drawn animation type thing, um, because of how many... <laughs> drawings you have to do to make animation possible. Uh, and even at a young age, I was vaguely aware of the fact that not many of them were actually hand-drawn anymore. Like that was going the way of computers already at that time. Um, and so then I shifted my focus to like comic strips and thinking I can do that. Then I only have to draw four or five cells for an entire comic to be done versus trying to draw a lot more. My limitation, though, was it's very difficult for me to get what's in my head to a piece of paper. And so if I look at a picture, I can kind of mimic it and draw it. But if I'm asked to just draw something myself out of the blue, it's very difficult for me. Um, and I don't know why that is, but it's also a limitation I have with um, accents or things like that. Like I hear it in my head the way it's supposed to be, and then I, it's very hard for me to produce. Um, and maybe that's just a human thing. Maybe all humans walk around thinking I can, it's in here. I just can't figure out how to get it into the real world um, in the same shape. So I just drew a lot. Um, and then I gave that up eventually because I rotated what I wanted to do on a regular basis. Being an artist came up a lot, but um, I was very much that child who was going to be everything from an astronaut to a fashion designer, to a business owner, to a restaurant tier, to, um, you know, bookshop owner, <laughs> everything, everything. For a while, I was going yeah. to be a dress designer, by the way. I, I designed dresses for my Barbies and everything. Nice. 
Mm -hmm. I, uh, I sewed some clothing for a couple of my stuffed animals. Um, I didn't really have an aptitude for it, but Panthe is still wearing his uh, vest. I can see him right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's he's also, amazing. He's also wearing a friendship bracelet ring as an armlet. Friendship bracelets. Did you yes. have them? All right. Of course. Okay. So, so let me still reframe this whole, what were the eighties yeah. and nineties like for you? There are certain things that we both must have experienced, including the way that friendship bracelets looked in the eighties and nineties um, from the, like, you know, some of them were the simpler, like braided floss kind of thread versus the knotted ones where you could get the designs yeah. going across and usually oh, yeah. in diagonal lines by the time <laughs> you actually did it. Um, oh, the ones where they were knotted but going around in a circle so it just looked like, I don't know, very nice. If you're in, if you're from our oh. era, then you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, well, if not, hold on. There, you missed it. There are, these are two different things though, right? You're talking about lanyards versus friendship bracelets, right? Lanyards? They, they, the lanyards were the ones that weren't made out of cloth. They were made out of wire. Oh, you no. Wove that, them. That's... Well, I, I thought that you were talking about that because they go in circles. Oh, no, the, the ones where, okay, so you know the knotting ones, you like knot and you get in diagonal. Okay, so he's going to be getting something here for me. But there are also ones where you had like a whole group of threads hanging down and you would wrap one around it really tightly, tie a knot, and then do the next one so that every design, it kind of wrapped it in a circle. But it was definitely oh, a okay. friendship bracelet. And I may even have one at home that I could post a picture of. I'd have to search for well, it. This is Panthe. Oh my goodness, he is holding the cutest little tiny panther. And this is the friendship bracelet ring. Now that one's not homemade. I Most of mine no. were homemade. That one oh, though, no. those were super popular neon color. Yeah. Did somebody cut it down to size? Because most of those were like the bracelets that you adjusted, right? They were- Well, there were, there were bracelets, but there were also rings. See, this, this is a ring. It, oh it fits on, but you know, it's, it's just big enough for his arm there. And, and if you're wondering, it's a lovely, it looks neon pink. Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I couldn't tell if the camera was, it was, it was the eighties because so like, if you everything could make was it neon. neon, why wouldn't you, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. But also you can see here, this is the shirt I made for him. And uh, yes. he has a, he has a tail warmer. He does have a tail <laughs> That is amazing. Um, now, did you ever get into making friendship bracelets or did you mainly just no. use the ones that you had that were bought? Okay. So no, I, I, I spent I, quite a bit of time making friendship bracelets. Oh, that's cool. I, I couldn't have imagined. I, I, come on, I'm in Orange County. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so this goes back to your 80s and 90s were very different than my 80s and 90s. And part of it was what you just said. You were in Orange County where I, in my head, you must have just had a glamorous youth where you got to like go to Disneyland all the time. That's, that's what it must have been like in my head. Unfortunately, that is correct. I mean, it, oh, it, 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 so it's like, I mean, in the 80s, it's like, you know, it, it was expected you went to Disneyland once a year, at least, right? Mm, Some, mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe twice. But I mean, literally, I could walk to Disneyland right now. So, yeah. That's so crazy to me. Um, crazy in that I've never actually been to Disneyland. Never. Okay, but have you been to... Uh, what you may call it, uh, the, the Disney World? No. <gasps> <laughs> I've never been to either. Um, also, never been to what's what's the big one everyone goes to? Uh, studios. Um, Universal Studios. There we go. Never been there. I don't know if that's part of Disney World. No, no. But also okay. Universal Studios. It's not a big thing anymore. I mean, it still exists. And okay. then, of course, Harry Potter World gave them a little bit of a boost. Um, mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I have been, oddly enough, I've never been to the one here. I've been to the Harry Potter world twice over in Orlando. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say they did a great job, but um, it does take you out of it a little bit being in mm -hmm. Orlando where it's 1130 at night and you're in Hogwarts and it's like 85 degrees with the humidity at 100%. <laughs> yeah, so I've been to Orlando once um, and I went there because my dad was going to be there for a baseball convention for coaches. And so mm -hmm. my sister had decided that she and her family would come down. So I was like, Will and I are going to go out and be there too. So we all ended up converging on Orlando. Um, this would have been about four, five, ooh, six years ago. Oh my gosh. Somehow time has just flown by. But you know, like um, Will would have been a kid-ish, probably six or so when we went six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. um, but like we were, we were really only there for like three days and because we were there seeing family and there was the baseball convention going on, like we didn't go places. We were just excited to be around each other. Um, but it was January, um, like the f very first weekend of January. So, you know, right after New Year's and it was already in the nineties and I was, horrified because I was like how do people come to Florida ever when it's January <laughs> and in the 90s and like walking from one building to the next I, I just was like sweating and drenched and I hated life and I hated everybody yeah. and, <laughs> and so you know even at night you know it would get a little bit better at night but you're right it it doesn't get so much better that it's comfortable to be like out and doing things it was comfortable to be out and like grilling food and sitting, but not comfortable to have to like do things. Um, and so I have no desire to ever go back to Florida. <laughs> and so, so Disney World didn't go the one time I was in Orlando, which means I'll probably never go. Um, I'm also just far too cheap. And <laughs> there's so many problems with me potentially ever going to Disney World. And now I, I think at this point in my life, I'm just, I feel like at some point, if you've waited this long, I mean, what's the point? I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So when you eventually visit California, once, once things open back up, give it a few years, I'll, I'll know somebody who works at Disneyland and, and, and you can go in for free. Cause that's the other thing. Usually you don't pay to go to Disneyland when you live here. I mean, oh. Oh, well, so funny story. Will has actually been to Disneyland. I have oh. not um, because we lived out. We actually lived in Long Beach for a month after he was born. If you didn't what? know that. Yeah. Okay. So what? just now I'm telling you the this. The city of my birth? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you this. I'm so sorry. Like you're just astounded. So um will was five months old and i had gotten this new job that required on-site training at the main company headquarters um and so i had to live out there for a full month and so of course you know brought will with me um and i have a cousin who lives actually two cousins who live in long beach and so like they would watch him some days and some of their friends would watch him on other days because i needed I couldn't bring Will with me to my training. And one of the couples who watched him had, I guess like everybody does there, like a year-long pass to Disneyland. That was just, everybody just acted like that was such a normal thing to have. Yep. <laughs> so they said, they had asked, do you mind if we take him to Disneyland with us one day? Um, and I was like, no, not at all. I just, my only requirement was I want pictures. So that way when he's older, I can tell him I don't need to take him there because he's already been. <laughs> so, so I have pictures of a cute little five month old Will, you know, getting hugged on by Mickey Mouse and Belle and all the, you know, Disney characters. And I'm sure he had a great time. So he's been there. Okay. So goodness gracious, really, when we get out of this thing, you all need to come here. We'll, we will have fun. Uh, it's, it's killing me. Man, you could have come out for at least for the LSA in 2006, I think it was. 
maybe 2007, but I think it was now, 2006. Either way, it would have required me to figure out what to do with my child again. You know, it just, <laughs> I didn't necessarily go to a lot of conferences at that point. And I still Wait, don't, what? unless I'm presenting. If I'm presenting, what? I'll go. What year was Will born? 2005. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I know that would have been that would have been rough. Never mind. But yeah, that it was at Anaheim. It was in Anaheim. Doug Ball was there. Um, oh well, of course he was because yeah, he's he's a good linguist and goes to these things. Well, he was job hunting at that time. <laughs> that would also be a good reason to go. Yeah, I think actually the only LSA conference I've ever been to was in Chicago, and that was when I was. Um, on, on the job market interviewing. Yeah. And that would have been like 2007, I think, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, any excuse to go to Chicago, though, what a city. Love it. Oh, I, that is, that is a yeah. nice city. But uh, yeah, so in, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, um, I had annual passes. I had an annual pass to Disneyland. Um, and it was, I think, a great thing for parents because you could just go and drop the child off and know that they wouldn't get into trouble and they could literally stay there for hours. Um, you know, I, I was arrested there once, uh, but that wasn't why I brought this up because we've talked now, about that, right? We have talked about it. Yeah. I, and I think it's so hard. You would think it's easy to remember what we've talked about in podcasts before. I think though that that story actually made it into one of our podcasts. Yeah. I think. So, so that's, that's fine. And if it hasn't, we don't need to rehash that. Ask him I, about it later. <laughs> I, I, I probably didn't even talk about, I mean, because this is, a lot of us had Disneyland passes and apparently the thing was shoplifting. Oh, like, I mean, sure. That was what, that was what a big group of us did. And apparently we weren't the only ones. There were a lot of people around our age that would go to Disneyland and shoplift. Like that was just a thing to do. It's really Hooligans. appalling. Hooligans, really appalling. But um, the reason I brought it up is because one day, so like you've come to your office to record this podcast, just to kind yes. of get out of the house, understand yes. that. There was one day in eighth grade, no wait, no, it was seventh grade, uh, where I went to Disneyland because I had this book to read for English and I just, I don't know, I just couldn't concentrate at home. So I had my mother go and drop me off at Disneyland where I read my book on a bench. Okay, so I appreciate that because I feel like that's probably what I would do <laughs> if I went to Disneyland. <laughs> so like, I 100% appreciate that. Um, but at the same time, like my mind is blown that that was just an afternoon or whatever for you to just like be dropped off at Disneyland. Um, and what's funny about this is like at the same time, like leading up to our, our chat right now. Um, yeah. I think I've told you that I was working on a like my my Conling history sort of essay for Fiat Lingua, um, like how I came into Conlanging. Um, and part of that, a big part of that is describing just where I was in my childhood. <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about like these differences between like the childhood I experienced versus um, what apparently the rest of the world experienced, but where we were, we were not close to anything. And so um, like the nearest movie theater was an hour away, a drive, not <gasps> walk, drive. Um, wow. The nearest mall was over an hour away. And honestly, now that I've experienced Ooh. more of the world, it wasn't really a mall. It was a very small mall. And so like, please understand I'm using that term lightly. Um, the closest real mall would have been at least an hour and a half away. So it was like 90 miles kind of hour and a half away. Um, and so like, to me, it's just absolutely mind boggling to think of that. Like every year we did get to go to Six Flags right outside of St. Louis, but that was a huge thing. It was, you know, like a at least a two hour drive for us. Um, so about two hours away from where we lived. And the only reason we got to go was because we like in school earned super reader points and like 
you got free tickets to Six Flags. And so like, it was free. Um, and that's really the only reason my parents ever would have <laughs> taken us. <laughs> um, and so I never really got a taste for, you know, parks, big theme parks like that anyway, just because I only went once a year, didn't like any of the rides and it was always hot. And so like my experiences with them were always like, oh, do we have to go? <laughs> versus childlike wonder um my sister loved it I was always the one that was lagging behind like it's hot just let me go sit down <laughs> um so it's just like a very different experience um yeah so that that's partially why I missed half of what you referenced I mean I live uh 10 minutes from the beach a five minutes walk from our nearest movie theater <clears throat> and that was just the small one we had many many different movie theaters we had uh two different malls and actually one of the ways you can gauge where you were at in orange county as you were growing up was which mall was your main mall because oh certain ones went in and out of like you know like uh, they became like the it mall for a while and then the mm -hmm. other one kind of uh you know, sank and then eventually closed and then reopened as something else. So it was oh like, gosh. you know, it was like Westminster Mall, then the Huntington Beach Mall, then the, then the, I think the Spectrum came next, Irvine Spectrum came next, then the block, then, um, then uh, I think uh, Westminster Mall had a little bit of a rejuvenation, but then it was really Huntington Beach reopened as Bellaterra and it became the thing. So yeah, you, you could actually. <laughs> wow. Wow. And here I'm thinking there's like, I, I and really, I'm, I'm thinking out from where I grew up, um, Jefferson City was like about an hour away, and that's where we could go to our small little mall. But to get into anything bigger, St. Louis was, um, to actually get into St. Louis was a little over two hours away. Um, right. Columbia was about an hour and a half away uh, in different directions. And yeah. so like, these things were very big deals for me. Um, and, and I probably can count on one hand the number of times I went to like a mall when I was younger, um, just because we didn't go very often. Or like if we did, it was a whole day affair. Like you had to, it wasn't just going to the mall. My parents had to stop at all the not not fun stores because yeah, yeah, yeah. they have to have a reason to drive an hour. <laughs> so See, um, yeah, very. I, I guess for me, the similar experience was either going to Los Angeles, which is like, it wasn't as far away distance wise, but mm. traffic wise, it was. Sure, so sure. Like if you were going into like LA, LA, it was like, it was a trip. You were, you were going there on purpose. There were places mm. you were planning to go to. And most of the time it was very boring. Um, and right. I usually fell asleep in the car. Um, and then the other thing would be going to TJ, uh, Tijuana, which is where we had family. Okay. Um, we and we actually had family lived uh, very close to the border, so um, going there it was fine. You know, it doesn't take that long to get over the border, and then we just drive down a little ways, and then you go up the hill and you go right, and there they were. And that was usually you know, what we were doing, and then getting back would be a nightmare <laughs> because I'm going sure. back over the border just takes forever so that was like i guess the coordinate experience uh, for me it was like it, it would be kind of like uh tijuana was st louis and la was like columbia but maybe a little bit closer i think a little bit closer probably yeah um, and i would think because it is interesting six flags, that... oh six flags was a very similar experience because our six oh. flags is that far away it's okay. like a it's like a two hour trip because it's north of LA going okay. up into the mountains. So it's mm -hmm. like you didn't just go to Six Flags. It was kind of like, hey, we're gonna go to Six Flags, let's plan it out several months in advance because it's a yeah. big long trip. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but that's it's interesting though that you bring up like the physical distance versus driving distance. Um, and I think that's why it's very convenient that really anywhere I've gone you always measure driving time in, in minutes, right? Like you don't say how many miles something is away um, necessarily. Like a lot of people aren't aware of like, oh, that's 10 miles away, but they know it's 10 minutes away um, just because you have to plan your drive time. And I find that really interesting because it's like I intuitively understand that difference, but it still shocks me 
uh, in city driving when it's like, I know it's 40 minutes away or whatever. And so that's not a big deal to me. I just plan it out. It's going to take me 40 minutes to get there. But then later I look on a map and I'm like, I went two and a half miles in 40 minutes, <laughs> you know, like, whereas where we were growing up, a, a minute was basically a mile. So whenever I say something is, you know, 45 minutes away, I really meant it's about like 45 or 50 miles away. And so like in my head, that's, that's how it's measured. Um, and so I'm always shocked whenever I, <laughs> whenever I go other places and find out that, you know, that 10 minute drive was really not even a mile, <laughs> like way less quite often. Let, let me tell you about going to LAX recently. You, you pull up the directions on your map and it says it's going to take an hour and 15 minutes to get there. And then you get on the freeway and in about 15 minutes, eh, 20 minutes, all right, you get from your house to the exit for LAX. And then you see that you are a quarter mile away from the exit and it says it's going to take you an hour oh, that and sucks. it's telling the truth it's I, just... <laughs> I will say so living in Colorado near the end I'm sure it's only gotten worse so near the end of when I lived in Colorado um, so this would have been in 2006 slash 2007 because that's when we moved to to New York um, driving on I-25 anywhere into or out of Denver, it would be like, you would just be sitting there. And any time of the day, you just always knew that mm. if you're on I-25, you're just going to be sitting. Um, and that just part, always- the, Is it the part with the tunnel? Oh, uh, there is part right there where it goes under a lot of bridges. Uh, is that an ant? Goodness gracious. What are you doing here? Nothing good. <sighs> And if it were a Texas ant, it would be it would be biting you right now, and it would was, cause some some crazy it was, itching. It was a tiny little guy, um, but I'll have to look into that anyway. But um, there was a big long tunnel to get into Denver, and I remember we were just sitting there. It took like two and a half hours, um, and it was yeah. almost completely stopped. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and it, it really is unfortunate because um, <laughs> I love. Colorado. I love going places in Colorado, but um, I am not a fan of traffic jams. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know that anyone is, but I do think that some people are more used to them than I am. Um, and so now it, it kind of cracks me up because there are days when, um, especially when like the college students come back into town in a normal year, I have no idea what it's going to be like this year, but in a normal year when the college students come back, we have a lot of and I'm gonna do my air quotes here, traffic jams in Nacogdoches. Um, mm. But that of course means that, you know, it takes you 10 minutes when it would normally take you two minutes and it's really frustrating, but I'm also only going this really short distance. So like anybody from outside <laughs> um, our area would think, well, that wasn't bad at all. But in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I can normally just drive straight through. <laughs> so. I cannot remember if Aaron told you about this, but it was extraordinary. Aaron, so when we were in graduate school, Aaron um, took a, a cognitive science class in the cognitive science department that was uh, taught by a famous cognitive scientist. And I, I, I'm not remembering exactly. Was it Gifaconier? Can't remember. But uh, there uh, was a- If it was, holy crap. Got one of I, his books over here on my shelf. Yeah. Uh, so if he's at UCSD, then yeah, it was him. It's, yeah, yeah, that was him. That was the, that was the professor. Oh yeah. my gosh. I know, right? That's freaking so, fantastic. Okay, go on, go on. It was a cognitive science class and it was about uh, metaphor and it was a graduate level class. Um, and, uh, but there was this student in this class who Aaron at the time surmised was in his uh, later 60s and, and nobody knew him. And so what they thought was perhaps he was a professor from some other department. Uh, he talked about physics, so they thought physics, um, who was just taking the course for free for fun. Sure. Um, and um, he would often uh, interrupt discussions with asides that he thought were relevant that were not relevant. <laughs> and so like they were talking about the 
different metaphors, uh, different time metaphors in different languages and different cultures. And so then Aaron started to write these down at one point because I just didn't, I couldn't believe it. This guy raises his hand and says, now before you say anything, I have a wife and three daughters, so I know. Like already, you're like, okay, what's coming? Oh no! He's like, men think about uh, distance in terms of distance, whereas women think about it in terms of time. And then he goes on a rant about how when I want to know how long is it to the airport, I want to know how many miles. But my daughter is telling me it's 20 minutes. What does that mean? And <laughs> the more relevant thing. It doesn't matter how many miles it is. It matters how long it's going to take you to get there. But, of course, this is in a graduate level cognitive science class. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I also yeah. would like to argue that I know I'm not the only one who measures it because I know that that's just how you talk about how far things are away. Like, I don't have, I have a lot of men in my life and I don't experience being told well, it's 15 miles away. It's, it's complete nonsense. Absolutely bizarre nonsense. <laughs> that is bizarre. But that is hilarious that I was, oh, I was worried God. it was going in a different direction with, <laughs> with time and all the women in his life. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that was, that, was, that was how he prefaced it to show that he spoke with authority. <laughs> I mean, you know, my family makes me authority on so many things. It's like now when, um, because, you know, we've had, we do a lot of work with future teachers. So like, you know, we've done a lot of research with pedagogy to help our students um, learn how to become future teachers. And Chris used to actually um, be the, the coordinator of the English education for the future English teacher program here. <laughs> here and so it's like we know some stuff we wouldn't necessarily say we're experts in the field but it just absolutely kills us every time we get an email from a professor of just whatever subject whatever subject and they'll claim oh well i know this because i have a high school student you know my son's in high school or i've, I've raised three high school daughters and i know this for a fact and it's like do you, do you, or do you know like your children's experience at this one school? Because you know, like we've actually been plugged into schools all around the area for a while now and that's a different experience. <laughs> but it just, it cracks me up this idea that I have this person in my life. Therefore, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, you know, one thing, especially I think I think being a parent should help to teach you this, especially if you have friends who are parents at the same time, that it is super obvious that not all kids are the same, no matter what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like that really should hammer it home. Right? <laughs> <sighs> or hammer it home that, I mean, anybody who has a kid, if they're, if they're raising them with another person, it should hammer at home that people have very different ideas you know, when it comes to, to the world, to everything. Um, yeah. Cause I think it comes out much more clearly when you're trying to raise a child with somebody else. <laughs> you're like, wait, that's how you would take care of this situation. Um, <laughs> any, anyone in a co-parenting situation knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, like that to me, you would think that that would clearly show that you're not necessarily an expert at everything. But the number of people who just assume I've had this one experience or I know this person, therefore I know everything. By the way, oh. I don't want to go, I don't, I don't want to go too parenty, but have you ever done this thing? Like I, I know that I've done it a lot and Aaron's done it where it's like, you know, Meridian does something and then I say, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, she goes away and I said, Aaron, you know, Aaron, what'd you think about that? Was I being, was I being fair? Was that, was that right? right. <laughs> it's always a good question, right? Um, yeah, normally, um, <laughs> I, I think we've had very different, um, I, 
probably very different because I feel like Chris and I are more of the like he'll one of us will decide something and the other one will just stay really quiet until like much later and be like question each other why did you <laughs> why did you think that was a good idea um yeah it's I think it's also interesting um to see some of the differences and it's, this is just my perception I feel like I'm easier on Will than Chris's and my I wonder if we had a daughter if it would be switched and mm -hmm. so like I never know if there's any sort of like connection between that perception of what kind of parent you are based on who your actual child is in that moment and so I very much wonder how I would be as a parent if I had a second child or just a different child. Well, that's also the type of thing where it's like something happens and maybe uh, I, I'm like, oh, that's fine. And then I get from, a look from Aaron, I'm like, or maybe it's not. <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly the opposite where I'm thinking, oh, it's okay, baby, it's okay. And then Chris is like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, again, I really wonder if that has something to do with uh, if moms tend to be easier on sons versus, you know, the other way around. I don't know. Right. I, it may just all be in my head, but. <laughs> we, we, we need to do a study. We need to get statistically significant data. And, and then we can say for at least this group. <laughs> for, for, for for this study of these particular people. <laughs> oh, man. We can say with some confidence that, but... Um, <laughs> Very so. little confidence that in these particular <laughs> situations, <laughs> this is how they behaved. Of course, they knew they were being recorded, so... <laughs> That also changes. Uh, oh. um, so uh, I, I have to ask though, just to, to, to bring it back. First of all, I want to I want to raise the point that uh, both of us apparently made our own comic strips. Yes, yes. Because I, I did that as well. I did that as well. I feel like yours are probably way better than mine, but. Eh, I mean. <laughs> I, I, okay, so the first at, at the time I was, I was heavily influenced by the artwork of the Meat Puppets, um, which is a band I'm guessing you don't know. I've only heard of the Meat Puppets. I oh, don't have any, That's good. I don't have any other reference and it may have been through conversations with you. I don't even know. Like, I just know that, mm. like, when I heard the name, I'm like, oh yeah, they're a thing. I can't tell you anything other than they're a thing. That's all I know. Okay, how about, I mean, certainly you know Nirvana. Nirvana was a big deal yes. where you were, right? Okay, did you, how much did you listen to Nirvana? Just what was on the radio or did you get albums? Um, I only ever heard what was on the radio and I only many, many years after they were famous. So it wasn't a big deal at the time because I mean, like for us, it was like, you know, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, uh and then uh like i guess the next thing would be snoop dog um and then coolio uh coolio was a big Let, deal too well let's let's back up a second yeah. i didn't say i was like all people <laughs> in my area <laughs> um me in particular it 80s 90s especially early 90s um late 80s early 90s when i would have been picking my own music the music i listened to partially because of what my parents listened to oldies music so i knew a lot of you know 50s and 60s um i listened to a lot of country music so i can tell you all about the the popular country songs of that time they can can't tell you what heart. was going on in others i am well that was like getting into the 90s and that's almost almost not country anymore but yeah yeah <laughs> i could talk about that but we could also talk about better country songs. Sorry, Billy Ray Cyrus, but I feel like there's better typical country songs. Let's talk about Reba McIntyre, Travis Tritt, Brooks and Dunn, so many better things we could be talking about. Anyway. <laughs> Those are um, names I know. <laughs> yay! And um, also a lot of church music. And so like gospel mm. or like Sandy Patty, um, those kinds of people. So that was my musical background. I only ever heard the other ones very rarely 
like from students or like later when we started going to school dances and so like people would be talking about these things at school but like i wouldn't i wouldn't know who they were or what connection they had or what they were talking about really so like same for like shows like saturday night live people talked about it at school but i had never seen an episode until much later okay so now okay i'm just gonna hurry through this because now i want to get to the real question here because okay, it's okay. just been raised and now i i just have got to know but basically uh you you might have known the meat puppets if you heard their song backwater that was the only song that got radio played it was great but um Nirvana, when they came up with their live album, which is the one that was released shortly before uh, Kurt Cobain died, um, the Meat Puppets were actually on that. They were guest musicians and they played three of their songs. So it's like, huh. if you okay. like really listen to Nirvana, you might know the Meat Puppets that way. But if not, gotcha. never mind. So the big question is this. Did you in junior high school go to dances and did you dance a slow dance with anybody to Lisa Loeb's stay? Yes. <laughs> okay. We definitely grew up at the same time. <laughs> also, Brian Adams, I can do anything. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Not I can do no, anything. No, no any, everything, anything I, do, I do, I do for you. Everything I do, not everything anything. I everything do. I do, I do it for you. Wow, sorry, that one just came out wrong when okay, I said it. Okay, now, now a very, a very important question. Since you did have a dance to that song, did was there a moment at the dance? Because you know the song, everybody knows yes. the song. Well, everybody our age knows the song. You know the moment where it kind of goes into the bridge. Yeah, I would fight for you, uh -huh. my life for you, and so on. Okay, uh -huh. and then it goes. Uh, yeah, I'd die for you. Okay, and all the music stops uh -huh. at that moment. Did you hear a bunch of voices singing along with it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How do you, like, as you were doing that, I was lip singing, so nobody else got that performance, but like, you can't hear that song and not participate. Um, I just, and Brian Adams really had so many good middle school, early high school dance songs, slow dance songs. Cause after that, there was also the, um, have you ever loved a woman? That song. Don Juan DeMarco. Yep. Uh, and it's just like, he just kept coming up with these great, really wonderful slow dance songs. And, you know, I feel like there were probably only about 10 slow dance songs that got played every dance because in between all the rest, it was all, you know, faster. Yeah stuff and, and you couldn't have too many slow dances because you know half the time the girls were over here the boys were over there people weren't dancing together <laughs> mm -hmm. so um then this might be a difference did you did you get a lot of boys to men uh, at your school or no yes okay. okay so and my introduction to boys to men beyond some of their songs that were played at dances um was on full house motown philly back again oh because Stephanie dances to it on Full House. And so <laughs> I was aware of Boys to Men and, and their cooler music, um, along with, of course, they had a lot of really good slow songs. Again, another great, oh my gosh, what was, oh, the Back at One singer. The, the uh, Back at One or Back to One, where it's like four, da -da 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 -da, three, and then he counts backwards and he's like, Back at One um uh bobby, bobby brown i'm sorry uh no try to think what that reminds me of bell biv devoe <laughs> poison okay uh, thank you all right <laughs> i know some stuff um i'm i'm not saying i grew up in in a box but i <laughs> i did grow up in a <laughs> very different different area um and uh, and just different i think cultural input even though we had the american youth input it was also very different input but i can i can tell you all sorts of great music that was coming out of you know like you know furlan husky and <laughs> that's a name i don't know that's a name i don't know <laughs> That's all right. Great, I mean, great gospel country singer. By the way, if you want to know our our big star sighting, there was once when I was at a movie at our local movie theater, the one that's five minutes from my house, five minute walk, um, where while we were there, 
it was being whispered around the theater that the girl who played Stephanie was there. No. Did you In really fact, see her? Uh, I didn't because uh, so I, I had actually, uh, I had procured a pad of paper and pen because- Just in case? Because like I, I, as there were whisperings about, it was like, should somebody try to get her autograph? And somehow it ended up with me. And sure. I chickened out. <laughs> oh, you could have had Jody Sweeten's autograph and you didn't yep. because you chickened out. Yeah, she's from the area apparently. Did you actually see her though? Like lay eyes on her? No, no. I was too oh, okay. scared. I, I didn't even go look. Oh my gosh. I, well, you know, I say that. I would probably have had the nerve to go up and ask for the autograph, but then anything beyond that, I would have just been stuttering and like absolute brain. I just, I'm not good around people who I, I, have been like idolizing or whatever. And so like, if I know them from like a distance or whatever, um, and I try to introduce myself, I get very awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, my big, my big claim to fame was that I was apparently at Walt Disney World. I was a little young for this. My mother was the one who got the picture. But uh, apparently we were at this very same, we were at MGM Studios seeing some sort of, you know, display thing. And we were at there at the same time that the new kids on the block were. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, um, New Kids on the Block, gosh, that just brings up a whole new set of memories, um, because I never really heard a lot of their music, except really? through my friends, or like at sleepovers, yeah. I would hear it, um, yep. but again, I that's didn't- sleepover music. We did not have the radio tuned in to regular stations at our house. <laughs> have you seen and this is a a far like over exaggeration um of my childhood but have you seen um welcome to plathville uh no so first of all it's reality tv um oh, okay. way way kind of fake um because it, it follows this family, a very big family that they claim that they never leave the farm and that there's absolutely no technology in their house and things like that. So like they make a lot of these wild claims that you kind of later are like, that can't be true. Um, especially given some of the things they talk about and whatnot, because you're like, you wouldn't know about that unless you had access somewhere. Um, but my sister and I were like talking about how some of what they depict in the show was very much our upbringing. Um, and part of it was the, you know, we weren't allowed video games in our house at all. Um, we were only allowed limited TV viewing time. And even then, like we only had like one TV in the house and my parents, you know, decided what we could or could not watch. Um, and only one phone really. <laughs> so it's like, we never had a separate line. Um, we didn't spend a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time outside. Um, and so a lot of what they're talking about, is like, oh yeah, that's how we were too. But part of that is like the, we would hear at friends' houses or in school, we would hear the new songs, but like at home, our radio or in the car, our radio was never tuned to those kinds of stations. And so I like I have this ability to do like you do with classical music I have the ability to play along and like pretend like I know because I got very good at honing that skill <laughs> as like a 10 year old um 10 year old through 18 year old uh but like you know like my actual knowledge of it could be much worse because we didn't really have it on um in the house or you know didn't really have it outside school influences that was my experience with cable television because yeah, uh, my my parents evidently thought or my mother evidently thought like the idea of paying for, for television was preposterous. And um, indeed and it so, was. And so they would talk about things on Nickelodeon and the Disney Channel and I'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we did not, well, not only did we, would my parents have balked at the idea of paying for it, but where we lived, it wasn't an option. Um, mm. And so like, that wasn't even a conversation to be had. Um, but now we've been talking for about an hour. Yeah. So it's about time to wrap <laughs> up. 
Um, this conversation that has gone <laughs> all around and I've gotten a bit of a better idea of what your 80s and 90s were like. Um, <laughs> very different than mine, uh, but not always. Friendship bracelets reigned supreme wherever you, you were. <laughs> and um, if you do have a picture of an old drawing of yours, share it with me because I'll try to find a, something I drew when I was younger. I, I know somewhere in my house I've I must stuff. have something. And so yeah, I will try to I've get Awesome. Then we can post pictures. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed listening. I'm not even going to waste my breath asking if David has any final words. And instead, I'm just well, going to go into the closing. Oh, he's cutting me off. Do you have final I, words? I, I did. And this is what I, I wanted to say. Like, I was just so, uh, I was so delighted by the drawings that you recently did, you know, for, for the rabbits. And so like, I'm just, honestly, I'm, I'm over the moon. I'm tickled to death. And it's like, if you, if you think about like, what is even the purpose of art? I mean, it's, you know, for somebody to, you know, maybe feel a little tinge of joy. And I certainly do. So I'm very glad that you're doing it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wow. That just, well, now I'm going to be all awkward because I don't know how to take compliments. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Um, you can't see me, but I'm over here waving my arms around. David's getting a little, I'm like a Muppet <laughs> dance over here. <laughs> but I'm so glad that it's, it's spreading a bit of joy. And um, if anyone listening to this has any art that they would like to share, um, that is Ingala based until we have future languages to have it based on other languages too um please share it because it is joyful to share art and stay grammar